0: Good morning Rimrock Church. How's everyone this morning? Great. It's a little chillier than I expected leaving the house this morning, but I'm glad to be here and uh, just thankful that we get to come together and lift up our voice as just one offering uh, to our audience of one to our father and our king. So let's praise him today.
1: train my train
0: seat and Michael's coming up and he's got treats
2: thanks Michael Lose my oh. Sorry, I got good morning can you hear me oh yeah there you go good morning come on right after that song we got to have a little bit more energy than that people we want to know Jesus right the giver of life The living water remember these words come on people (laughs) amen good morning and welcome to rim rock uh my name is michael i'm one of the pastors on the staff i have a privilege of serving god through this ministry and it's been a great 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 honor for us and my family just to be here Um, we want to welcome you Uh, we want to thank you for being part of this uh, congregation as we worship god week in week out and uh, and God has allowed us to do so much ministry in this town, in this city, Lord. And, and just been a blessing. If you're here for the first time, we're always this friendly and uh, cheerful uh, because we serve a God who uh, creates all things, holds all things together and uh, provides for us. So we want to welcome you. Um, there are some cards in front of your seat, and if it's not somebody didn't do their job, I will be talking with them. But those are for you. If you're a first timer here, fill it out, bring it to the uh, information table back there in the welcome area and we have a gift for you and we wanna thank you for being here. Um, We have a couple of announcements for you before we go back to worship and then of course uh, a time of teaching. Uh, First of all, um, we have a first step coming up. This is for those of you that are new to Rimrock. We have a class that kind of tells you the history of how this church got started why we are here what why we do what we do Um, this is not just for those who just started to come in here but also some of you have been coming to church here for years and haven't attended that class so i want to encourage you to take that class kind of it's good to know our history and how this church started It's a really um, neat story and uh it's good to know where we uh why we're here and the families that kind of started this church some of them were still in our church so that's a huge deal and uh being used by god in a mighty way now i like object lessons what are what are these in front of me candy, candy. and guess what's coming up i'm sorry no trunk or treat halloween's from satan we're christian it's trunk or tree. Come on now. <laughs> Paul says you live in the world. You're not of the world. Come on. So, that being said, we need candies. Lots of them. It's a great opportunity, actually. What happens here is uh, the event is going to be on October 26th from 530 to 730. And we'll have... Uh, uh, I believe we serve hot dogs and chips that night to everybody that comes, so there'll be food. But this is an opportunity for uh, kids to come up, have a great time, and run around, collect candies. Not only do we need candies, we also need some of you that are really creative and want to set up a little booth uh, with some games for the kids as they come. Uh, we want you to step up and make something happen. You could call us at the office and we'll uh, get you going on that. But. These candies, as you bring them, there is a toad up here and uh, one downstairs. You just drop them off and we collect them and then we disperse them among all the booths uh, on Wednesday night. Now, as you know, Pastor Ben is not here. Pastor Ben and uh, Chris Doyle and Mike Hayes left yesterday to go to India. We've been involved with India for the last... Six seven years I believe and uh, if, if you recall a couple of weeks ago we had uh, PG and, uh, and his wife lady were here and kind of giving us a report of what God's doing out there so they basically went back uh, to kind of see firsthand what's happening there and how we could continue uh, be involved and continue to support that ministry so we want to spend a little bit of time before we go back to our worship to pray for them but before we do that I need you to stand up and find somebody, greet them, and tell them they have a beautiful smile. But be honest, okay? (laughs) Don't just go. A genuine uh, rim rocker smile. Go ahead. You got one minute. you too. All right. Thank you for your uh, participation. See, now we're all smiling. Isn't that better? Yeah. See? Go, Darcy. Yeah. All right. Let's pray. before we get into some more worship and then of course uh, nick is gonna come up and bless us with some teaching this morning of the word of god father we thank you um, for the gift of laughter thank you for the fellowship of the believers lord that what we have in common it's you uh through your son jesus christ lord we're just so grateful for that we want to b- pray for the team that's it's in the earth, on the way to india lord ben and pastor ben and Chris Doyle and Mike Hayes, God, that they'll be used by you in a mighty way. I pray that you pour into them your wisdom, your knowledge, your discernment as they're ministering to those people. And we know that every time we go to bless somebody, we come back more blessed. At least that's been my experience. So we look forward to see what you have for us uh, through them as they come back from this trip, Lord. And we just want to thank you for the time of worship this morning. Continue uh to pray for hannah and the worship team what a blessing they are as they lead us into your throne room every morning lord bless them keep them lord uh, and i just pray for nick as he's uh, prepared this whole week to teach that you just use them uh, as a mouthpiece for your glory through your holy spirit lord father we love you and praise you we give thanks to you and it is in your holy name we pray amen
0: one more time. just praise you, for you are holy, and there is no one like you. God, we pray that you would just continue to draw our attention, our focus, our love towards you, God, that that would just be our source of life, God, is knowing you and loving you. God, would you, yeah, would you be with Nick as he comes now? God, would you just work in each of our hearts to... Be willing to listen, be willing to respond, be willing to be obedient, God, to what you have to say, because there's none like you, God, so we desire just to give you all of our lives, God, all of our hearts, all of our worship, as you just continue to transform us, God, and do that work in us, God, we just thank you and praise this, pray all of this, God, in your name, amen.
3: Amen. Praise to him, he did it again, didn't he? If you have your Bibles, please turn to Mark chapter 12, and in a minute we'll pick up in verse 28. But I first want to tell you a few little, little stories and moments. There's a man named Charles Spurgeon many of you have heard of if, if you've studied Christian life for very long. He's considered the the preacher of preachers. He has preached thousands of sermons that have been inspired by the Holy Spirit. So many of those have been written down and shared across um, years. And so he's been used by God to further the kingdom of God in incredible ways. And when he was 10 years old, he went to a church and a man preached the gospel. And that was the day that Charles Spurgeon became a Christian, and that was the day that the Holy Spirit invaded his life and where his ministry began. I wonder what the name of that preacher was that ministered to Charles Spurgeon, and would Charles Spurgeon have been redeemed and had the ministry he had if it weren't for not for that man? I happen to believe, yes, uh, but you recognize that the, the complexity of a sovereign God and man's free will, all placed in a broken and fallen world, Sometimes it's interesting and fun to muse on how all of those connections take place. But I think the healthy spot is to end on saying, God knows and God is the author of that. And I don't understand. And God says, it's okay to have conversations. It's okay to search some scripture to try to figure out how all that works. But you silly little human, just leave most of that to me. When I was 16 years old, I broke my jaw. Uh against my brother and one of my best friends playing a pickup football game and something happened that I thought needed corrected and so I took it upon myself to try to correct it and my body lost that battle. But as a result of that I couldn't participate in some of my preseason basketball drills because of my broken jaw and that allowed me to go on another trip with the lit keys and the all-steals. I didn't want to stay home and practice because I couldn't. And on that trip, I connected a lot more closely with a woman named Sherry. And 22 years later, we're still married. Now, would we have connected? Would we have been married if I hadn't broke my jaw and I would have wanted to stay and get ready for basketball season? Again, I happen to think God has a lot of ways to accomplish His will. But the whole point is we can say, well, I believe God was a part of orchestrating all of that. And again, He used all the different things in this world like broken jaws and stupid decisions and generous friends and connections for years and years to bring all of that together. And he says, you can think through how that might happen as long as you recognize God did that. How he did it, you silly little human, don't worry so much about all that. And as we pick up in Mark chapter 12, he says, well, if I don't pay attention to how God's sovereignty and man's free will fit, How about about end times? Should we lock in on on end times and how all that takes place? Uh, Let's try to figure out all that. And God says, well, yeah, in the scriptures, I've given you some things to be on guard for, and I've given you some signs. In fact, I think Bill's going to talk about that next week. And he says, but as far as all the details, as far as your primary focus, you silly little human, don't worry about that. And so you say, okay, well, then what am I supposed to worry about? What am I supposed to focus on? If I'm not supposed to focus ultimately on this or ultimately on that, And that's what our our scripture is today, where there's a a scribe who has been observing Jesus' life, and if you remember, this is the the last week of Jesus' life up to the point of the crucifixion, and so he's declared very plainly now that he is the Messiah. He's declared very plainly now that he's going to be crucified, die, and raised from the dead. He's declared very plainly now that it's time to pick a side. And so he has disciples, he has followers that believe he's the Messiah, and then he has a lot of enemies that have decided to, to kill him because he's a threat to their way of life. And this scribe is observing all this, and I'm not exactly sure what his stance is, but I wonder if he's saying, okay, this Jesus has declared himself to be, be the Messiah, and he's in fact acting like it, and so perhaps I capitalize right here. I cut right to the chase. If this is my one minute with the Savior, with the Son of God, I'm going to ask him. And he says this, And one of the scribes came up and heard them disputing with one another, and seeing that he answered them well, he said, Which commandment is the most important of all? Jesus answered and said, The most important is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your mind and with all of your strength. And the second is this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. So I think what's taking place is this. There's a lot of things that we can focus on in the scriptures and in life that are good to focus on. But right here, Jesus says, here's the one primary thing to focus on. Love God with all of yourself. And then love people. So, this is the the beautiful revelation that he says, You beautiful little human, I will give you what you need to do this well. And so, my desire is, and as I've looked into this, that God has just shown me, he does give us enough information to love him and love people. So, if we're going to major on anything, it seems like this is what we're called to give our full attention. In fact, all of our lives too. So as we kind of embark on that, that seems like a pretty big task. Um, So we're going to ask God to bless us, protect us, and join us. So if you would, would you pray with me? Father, we we come before you knowing that uh, you have begun this relationship, that you, as Michael said, you created us, you sustain us, by you all things hold together, all things are for you. So, even being here now, uh, we are at your mercy. And so, we thank you for your grace upon grace that has determined to make yourself known um, by us. Thank you that you think of us. Thank you that you delight in us. Thank you that you smile upon us. Thank you that you want us to love you and to love each other. And so, we pray today that you would just give us wisdom and insight into the power of God, into the grace of God, into the life of the Holy Spirit, so that we might. Become who we were born to be, and do what we were born to do. Worship you, love each other. Amen. So one of the interesting things, I think, in this is the question is, what commandment is the most important? And Jesus' first response is not a commandment. Jesus' first response, he says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And then he goes on to give the commandment. And so what he's doing here, actually, he's quoting um, three Old Testament or or Hebrew uh, scriptures. And so this is known as the Shema, which is the Hebrew word to hear. So in a sense, it's what the the ancient Hebrews, it was kind of their statement of faith. So they took a handful of different Old Testament scriptures, uh, put them together and kind of used that in, in their worship. So at the temples or before prayers or at the evening, sometimes they'd sing it, chant it. But it was kind of their declaration of faith. And it, it comes from Deuteronomy 6. And so it says here, and that's the word Shema, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And so to me, I think God is giving, Jesus is giving us kind of a formula for how to go about fulfilling the greatest commandment. Basically, how do we love God and love people? And so here's what I think it is. I really believe if we go back to Deuteronomy chapter 6 and what was happening, what we see is that God has chosen a people, Israel, for, for no reason other than to glorify himself and to use this small tribe to make himself known to the whole world. All the nations is the language it uses a lot in, in scriptures. And so he says, so I chose you by my grace. You were enslaved by the people around you, by Egypt. I rescued you. I redeemed you. I brought you to myself. I led you out of slavery and then began to establish uh, myself as a personal God to you. And in this whole process, you begin to make these declarations of who I am. And so the first thing is, God, hear, O Israel. The Lord, that word is Yahweh or Jehovah. And so that's essentially the the pronoun, the the name that God gave himself as he was making himself known to the, the Hebrew people. So in one sense, he says that I want a relationship to you. I'm creator God and my name is Yahweh. This great picture of God extending himself and introducing himself to a people. And so the first thing he establishes is that I want to introduce myself to you. I want you to know me so you can call me Yahweh. And so the statement of faith is, "Here, O Israel, Yahweh is God alone. And so he's establishing himself as the only God who is above everything else, who has created all else, God Almighty all-powerful. I am God alone and I want to know you and I want you to know me. And so before Jesus gets into any commandment, he makes this declaration. And my experience is many, many churchgoers, many Christians have an idea of what they're supposed to do. A lot of us know what we're supposed to do And in fact, in Deuteronomy, this is right when he gives the Ten Commandments. And so there's commandments given that God says, here's how you should live. But he establishes that all of the commandments, all of the law, all of the things the prophets have said are going to be fulfilled first by knowing who God is, by entering into praise and worship of him. So the first thing Jesus establishes, is in order to love God, you must know who he is and you must recognize his power, his sovereignty. In other words, you are God and I am not. That is the beginning of wisdom. And I think the, the formula, if we want to break this down to the three-step formula, that is number one in our the possibility of having any chance of actually loving God. Then he goes on. He says, you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your mind and with all of your strength. And the second is like this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. And basically the the scribe says, that is well said. And Jesus says, I know it is. He says to him, you are not far from the kingdom of God. So as as Jesus, as this scribe kind of stacks hands with Jesus and says, that's the right answer. And Jesus affirms him and says, it is the right answer. You are not far from the kingdom of God. In other words, this is where you devote all of your attention. This is what God is about. This is where we place our focus. So our lifelong journey should be to discover how then do we do this? What does this look like on street level? In 1 John 4, 19, it says this, we love because he first loved us. So I think it's true that many times I, I understand that my ability to love people first comes because God loves me. So this idea of I can't give what I haven't received. But I think first, again, before that, God says, even in your relating to me, you need to understand you can't love me until you have understood that I love you. So everything that I do is ultimately a response to what God has done. And so the first part of my day, the first part of a prayer, the first part of a sermon, ought to be to remember and proclaim and focus on who God is and what he has done. And I really believe that committing all of my heart and all of my soul to that, the natural response is going to be to love God. And after that, the natural response is going to be to love people. How do we make the goodness of God available to us? Because truly, I think my ultimate way to love God is obedience. And so as, as Jesus says, here's the greatest commandment, love God with all yourself. I really think the ultimate way, perhaps the only way that I show My love for God is obedience. Now, don't hear me wrong, because it's very easy to now basically just take and focus in on all of what you do. And so I believe it's obedience that comes from faith. Well, what do I mean by that? Well, throughout Scripture, we see that faith is what leads to salvation. Uh, Without faith, it is impossible to please God. And so this is a big, important word. Uh, it's hard to define. We'd way rather experience it, right? But when I, when, I, when I think through faith, and what does it look like to have obedience empowered from faith, it's essentially saying, God, I will obey you because I trust you. I will obey you because I believe or have faith that you are right. I will obey you because I believe that you are good, that you are wiser than I am. So I think when obedience comes from faith, that's my living declaration that I trust God, that I'm convicted of his goodness, of his wisdom, to the point that I will do whatever he asks. So it's not simply focusing on the behavior, is it? First, it's focusing on Jesus and placing faith in him being my Lord. And as a result of that, something happens. This is the the same framework that uh, Ephesians uses. The whole book of Ephesians, Paul says, You were once an alien from God. Because of his grace, you are now part of him. And as a result of what Christ has done for you, now, love your enemies. Children, obey your parents. Wives, submit to your husbands. Husbands, live for your wives. Like, he gives the commandments only after what? He has established who God is and what he has done in our life. Now, instead of focusing only on the task, what do we focus on? We focus on what God has done, what he continues to do, who he is, and surrender to him. I have a friend who says, grit your teeth and surrender. Another one says, the one superpower, we talk about spiritual gifts a lot, and I believe in them and and the real, and he says, the one superpower you got at redemption when you became a Christian was the ability to be dependent. That's the one. And as a result of that, we allow the power of God through the Holy Spirit to then obey. So my way to love God with all of my heart and with all of my soul and with all of my might and with all of my understanding, with all of my strength is to know who He is and as a result obey. So we get this beautiful picture. If you skip down, we might grab these uh, verses in between, we'll see. But as you skip down to verse 41... In the same chapter, we have this incredible picture of a woman who gets it. And Jesus sat down opposite the treasury and watched the people putting money into the offering box. Many rich people put in large sums, and a poor widow came and put in two small copper coins, which make a penny. And he called his disciples to him, and he said then, Truly I say to you, this poor widow has put in more than all of those who are contributing to the offering box. For they all contributed out of their abundance. But she, out of her poverty, listen to this, has put in everything she had, all she had to live on. So this this widow has nothing, but these two coins, and she puts these into the offering box, and Jesus says this is all that she had to live on. In other words, this is her entire life. And so the commandment is to love God with all of your life. And if you think about what enabled the widow to give everything she had, it's a declaration of trust that, God, you are for me. You have promised to take care of me. You look after me. You will provide for me. So as a result of that and who you are and how you love me, I can give all of myself. That's obedience that comes from faith. That's not obedience that's striving to continue to pay back God for what he's done. That's not obedience to try to earn your salvation. That's obedience that has come from salvation. See the difference? We get a contrast here. Let's go up to verse 38. The scribes, Jesus says to them, Beware of the scribes who like to walk around in long robes and like greeting in the marketplaces and have the best seats in the synagogues and place the honor at feast who devour widows' houses and for a pretense they make long prayers. They will receive the greater condemnation. So the scribes and the Pharisees did a lot of religious activity, right? They, they were trying to love God and perhaps committed more of their life and the totality of their life to the focus on doing things of religion, more than all the other people, more than the widow. But what did they miss? They missed the fact that this came from God first and was empowered by God. So their focus was to continue to rely on themselves And in this passage, we see a very strong focus in their image of what others thought. So it was what they could get as reputation coming from you, coming from the outside to look right and to look good. And there's no evidence of what scripture calls repentance or humility that says, Jesus is my only hope. They continued to rely on their own obedience or what looked like obedience from some pretty terrible motives to get right with people and with God and to be established here on earth. And what's God say about them who continue to rely on themselves and as a result kind of abuse other people? They will receive greater condemnation. So the problem wasn't necessarily their, maybe even their passion for God, their problem was they completely missed their need, and therefore they completely missed the grace of God that would allow them to walk in his goodness, because God was still good, but they weren't experiencing any of that joy. Go up further, and I think we see just the patience of God in this. In verse 35... You ever listen to a sermon where they started and then worked backwards <laughs> it says this and jesus taught in the temple and this was a, jesus asked the scribes and the pharisees who are sitting there and again these are the people who have set themselves up against him and he asked them a question he says what do you think about the christ whose son is he we get that in matthew it's the same account And they say, and Jesus says, how can the scribes say that Christ is the son of David? And David himself in the Holy Spirit declared, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I put the enemies under my feet. So David himself calls him Lord or Yahweh. So how is he his son? And this is um, Jesus quoting Psalms 110 where David says, the Lord is my Lord. And so they say, well, the, the Christ is the son of David. And he says, yeah, that's right, he's from the lineage of David, he's from the line of David, but David himself declares that he is Yahweh, he is master, he is Messiah. So once again, Jesus is saying, how about you, what are you going to do with Jesus? This is the whole theme of the book, wasn't it, of Mark? What are you going to do with Jesus? Because even the one that you ascribe all this glory and honor, David, talks about me as his lord and his master all of the things that you've read about in hebrew scripture is standing before you right now so once again jesus brings himself front and center before the teachings he brings himself front and center and says i am the savior what will you do with me and we know what the scribes did they continued to rely on themselves So if we go back, I want to give you another great example, and this is, so what we got so far is, God says the greatest commandment is to love God and to love people. How do you do that? You first focus on the love of God towards you, and as a result of that love, by faith, you obey him. And much of God's commandments, the other things that he asks me to do, involve loving who? loving people and so we have an incredible example or the formula if you will in Luke 24 I'm just going to read this portion to you so do your best to to listen it says now he said to them this is Jesus Uh, these are my words so this is after I'm sorry after crucifixion after resurrection he keeps appearing to his people and kind of finally quipping before he ascends into heaven okay And it says, These are my words which I spoke to you and while I was still with you, that all the things which are written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their mind to understand the Scriptures, and he said this: Thus it is written that the Christ would suffer and raise again from the dead on the third day, and that repentance for the forgiveness of sins would be proclaimed in his name to all the nations, beginning in Jerusalem. So there's the Great Commission. Go share the gospel, first to Jerusalem and then to all the nations. You are my witnesses of these things, Jesus told them. And behold, I am sending forth the promise of my Father upon you. But you are to stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. So we get other places in Scripture that let us know what is he talking about there. What's the promise? What's it mean to be clothed with power on high? Who is he talking about? The Holy Spirit. So he says, you're going to make disciples... Of me of, in all the earth but before you go wait for the Holy Spirit to come why? because he's going to empower you to do that he's going to move through you so it's by grace you're saved and it's by grace that you're going to be my witness because it's me listen to this and he led them out as far as Bethany and he lifted up his hands and blessed them and then while he was blessing them he parted from them and was carried up into heaven And here's their response. So remember, what's the command for these guys? Go be my witnesses. Share the gospel. But what are they supposed to do first? Wait for the Holy Spirit. So here's their immediate response. And they, the disciples, the people that were with Jesus, after worshiping him, returned to Jerusalem with great joy and were continually in the temple praising God. So the first thing, hear, O Israel, Yahweh is God and God alone. Now let's focus on the commandments. Jesus says, I want you to go and proclaim repentance and the forgiveness of sins and salvation in me. Before you do that, wait for the Holy Spirit. And even before he has come upon you, I want you to worship me and praise me and continue to lift my name on high. Christians, when we do this, First and foremost, the fruits of the Spirit will come. And I'm so glad that God gives us examples of, I know, Nick, you're not that smart, so I'm going to tell you what this looks like. So he gives us 1 Corinthians 13, and he he defines what love might look like. Or he says, again, here's some roles. If you're a child, love looks like honoring your father and mother. If you're a father, let me give you a picture of what it doesn't look like. It's not exasperating your children. If, you have, if you're a slave, if you have people over you, it looks like honoring them and serving them as unto the Lord. So he gives us these little pictures of what it might look like in these different areas of our lives so we have an idea and a metric if we're getting it close. But he says the way to do that isn't just, well, love is patient, Right? So how many times do you guys need to give yourself a pep talk to be patient? And that's good, and that's right, because God knows we need to attack this at so many angles. But the focus isn't only on be patient. So according to the formula, what's the focus on? It could be, Father, thank you so much for your patience and your mercy and your grace that you apply to me over and over and over Thank you that you have gifted me with your Holy Spirit that is the essence of patience and mercy and grace. Thank you that that spirit wants to move through me right now as I have this conversation with this person. Now the focus is obedience through faith. I trust you. This is what it looks like to execute. That's not a perfect prayer. You all are going to have your own way to do those things. But there's such a difference between that that. And simply striving and striving and striving that I'm just not a patient person. I'm just not a patient person. So all of a sudden, where do I find myself? Being patient with someone else. Could we say that is the fulfillment of the second commandment? Love God and love your neighbor as yourself. Do I want to be treated patiently? You bet. So all of a sudden, I have found myself almost stumbled upon loving you why as a reflection of trusting god as a reflection of loving god and first receiving love from god and the reason i'm patient with you is because i trust god and i love him so if he says i want you to be patient and in fact i've made you to be patient because i've united you with my spirit here we go so this word that you've heard a ton at rimrock is abiding I've had different conversations some people absolutely love it and some people hate it because all they hear is abide, 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 abide and it's like what in the heck does that mean? over and over right from Steve to Bill to Pat I mean over and over to Ben you hear this idea of abiding and it can be frustrating when you're trying to figure out what it is and so my encouragement to you is I think Jesus gives us some insight right here I think he lets us know that, yes, it's a mystery, and yes, it's going to look different on everybody. But ultimately, to abide means to stay connected, to focus on, to give your attention to me and you together. Like a vine and like a branch. What's that look like in everyday life? Well, you're trying to get ready for church on a Sunday morning, and your kids aren't being real responsive. And so you have to decide what's best. So sometimes loving others means disciplining them. Well, are you going to let God inform, one, that you do discipline? Why? Because he asks you to. And two, are you going to let God inform how you discipline? Well, what's that supposed to look like? Well, one of them says, don't, be, don't try to put your kid to death, but discipline them in the things of the Lord. So in some ways, be, I'm now executing discipline of my kids but it's totally informed by what God has told me to do and how he has asked me to do it. So I surrender to him, come underneath his authority because I trust him, and now I execute my best guess for what discipline looks like with the proper heart. So now I'm loving my son, even though he might not know it at the time, as a result of God loving me and me trusting him. That is obedience sprung from faith. Or perhaps you've been sexually abused. And so all of your life, you've tried to talk yourself into the reality that you're good, that you're okay, but you've never felt it. And so you don't know how to approach men. You don't know how to approach your own gender. You don't know how to approach sexuality. And God says, you have been washed. You have been cleansed. The dirt has died on the cross and been buried. You have been raised to holiness and purity and a new life clothed with the righteousness of the Holy Spirit. So if you believe that, if you believe that's how God has loved you, so walk in your purity. So consider yourself washed. Now act like it. Who cares how you feel? This is truth. And when you do that, you will find yourself loving people well. Most of the time, we know what we're supposed to do. Here's the commandments. But man, it's so elusive on how to do it. And I am so grateful that God shows us I'll show you enough. That if you want to commit your entire life to something, you commit your entire life and all of your attention and everything that you have to the goodness of God first, to the worship of him. And a huge part of that is learning to receive his love. And the more you lock in on that, you will love him in response and you will love others. Let's pray. Father, we praise you for your grace. I think there's such value in remembering what you have done in our life. For by grace you have been saved. But I think there's such value in understanding that it is grace that continues to be poured out on us every day. And it's with joy and hopeful anticipation that we know that so much of your grace we have yet to taste. And so understanding that it is is your love and your mercy and your grace that brought us into a personal relationship, that you invited us and you said, my name is Yahweh, that you gave us understanding and insight that you are altogether good and perfect and that we are totally bankrupt and hopeless without you. And then you gave us your Holy Spirit to say, now I want you to live and do great things by me. So I praise you for giving us a purpose. Life without purpose, I hate to think of. So you have accomplished all of this, and so allow all that we do, loving you and loving each other, simply be a response to what you have done for us. We worship you and we praise you. Amen.
1: down into darkness oh
0: be our declaration of worship this week. You guys are dismissed.